you know, step, 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 stop, back, step, step, stop, back, yep. step, step, right? Yep. I could do that for like another 20 minutes. Nomadic cowbirds and poking the puffballs. I like turtles. And lightsaber frog calls. Fresh series got filled with persimmon seeds. from the Great Plains Nature Center, and you're listening to That's My Favorite, the podcast where we geek out with naturalists. Today, we are going to be talking with Alan. Woo, hey. woo, 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 woo. Alan <laughs> works here at the Great Plains Nature Center also. I do. <laughs> <Woo>. Yes. <laughs> Yay. Um, tell us what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about, I don't know, a lot of stuff that's my favorite, I guess. I like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about shorebirds and waterbirds mm. and migration and all that stuff that goes along Sweet. with Sweet. Yeah. Bird stuff. Bird stuff. I'm, yeah. I'm not a bird person, so this is going to be interesting. I'm going to be <laughs> learning a lot. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so shorebirds. Um, yes. Whenever you say shorebirds, I'm assuming those are birds that live on shores, right? <laughs> that is, yes, that's a good, that's a safe bet. Um, yeah, they are. Uh, although not all of them. There are some birds that, okay. you know, like uh, like upland sandpipers and killdeers and stuff like that that don't have to be really close to water. Okay. But they're still shorebirds. So we're... Are, are herons, like great blue herons and stuff with the big long legs, are those considered shorebirds or are those something else? So there's, they would be considered water birds. Water birds, okay. So not waterfowl, not uh-huh. shorebirds, water oh birds. Goodness. There's, I don't know, there's kind of these, a lot of these distinctions that yeah. feel kind of arbitrary um, because there's usually, and this is, this is kind of one of the things I really like about these birds is, if you're close to, uh, you know, during migration or during breeding season, mm-hmm. you get a mixed species association kind of thing. They're just happening. all over the place. Yeah, because everybody's of, mingling. It's, right, because yeah. a lot of them are looking for really similar um, spots to nest in. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, so you hit, you know, you'll end up with like, and some of them are colonial too. Mm-hmm. So you'll end up with like a big group of colonial seabirds and waterbirds and shorebirds just kind of all hanging out together um and it's it makes for a really um interesting uh kind of experience Mm -hmm. right awesome okay so just backtracking just a little bit do you mind kind of explaining briefly the difference between waterfowl waterbird and shorebird a lot of it is kind of uh it turns out to like taxonomy a Mm -hmm. little bit so um your waterfowl right are you know your ducks and geese those are the things that a lot of things you would like actually hunt for basically um yeah although there are some um there are some uh waterbirds and like shorebirds that are, are hunted Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, yes. So uh, ducks and geese would be your waterfowl. Mm-hmm. Um, shorebirds are going to include things like plovers and sandpipers mm-hmm. and killdeer, which is like the most common one. Like mm-hmm. there, it um, it feels like every intersection of every dirt road in Kansas, there's like a killdeer nest. Killdeer just all over the place. They're all over the place. Uh. So um, that's probably like the most common one that we know of yeah. um, here. Um, and then waterbirds would be, um, you know, like th- this would include some of the seabirds, but also things that are like waders, right? Like okay. uh, egrets and herons. Gotcha. And, yeah, all these other weird birds out there. So I guess then I'm picturing in my mind for shorebirds, at least in this area, 
kind of smaller birds, smaller-ish. Yeah, they tend to be have, quite small, yeah. Yeah, but have sort of long, lanky legs for how small they are. Yes, they're okay. real kind of dorky. dorky. That's like <laughs> that, this is that's like that's my favorite kind of bird. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. not I'm not interested in like really graceful, you know, like beautiful birds. I want like the dorkiest birds possible. You just you want the dorks. Yeah, okay, like you it want was the like dorky a marshmallow birds. on like toothpicks. Like <laughs> that's a that's, great description. That's kind of kinda, that's like that's that's the kind of bird I like. Oh, yeah. With a bill that does not match at all no. with the rest of its body. Yeah. They are, I mean, I'm I'm not incredibly familiar with shorebirds in general, but I am very familiar with the kill deer. Um, and they're just kind of weird looking. And they it like if I am picturing the right bird, which I think I am, yeah. they have really big eyeballs too, they right? Do. For the size yeah. of their head. They do, yeah. They're um they're in that group of plovers, which I think Rachel calls them plovers. <laughs> Uh, I think so I've there's heard like her say a, that. There's, I, I'm going to disagree with her on how that's pronounced. It I looks guess. like plovers. It does look like plovers, right? And I guess it's because like um, when I started learning about these birds, yeah. um, I would think like, oh, they're plovers. They must plove. I thought it was like a verb at first. Oh, I'm just like, what is ploving? Yeah, so I don't know. But now, so now I've kind of like gotten into this habit of calling like how they act ploving. <laughs> So, <laughs> so that's not that's not scientific, but that's just my own personal thing. So I see oh a plover, gosh. and what it, what it's doing is ploving. That's so I always say plover. <laughs> well, we're gonna come back to that in just a yeah. second. Okay. Um, but I guess the reason she, maybe she calls them plovers is because it's like love. Um, I I guess, like lovers, but with a p, so plovers. Yeah. So I I think it's because that's the accepted uh, pronunciation overseas. Oh, but English plovers. doesn't make sense. So no, it doesn't. Why would it? Yeah. Like you can have two things that look exactly the same and sound completely different. So yeah. And so I guess I actually just found out this week, like, because I was trying to kind of settle this for myself. Okay. And apparently, it comes from like pluvia, like rain. Oh. is the source of that word um, okay. because people for whatever reason used to associate them with rain um, like when the family active I guess yeah they thought they like flocked something? together when it started raining and, okay so I don't know that doesn't really help either way though so <laughs> but we know the origin at least yeah so we know I guess it came just, from somewhere yeah just call them whatever you want I okay guess. they're birds they don't mind so. yeah they don't know any better <laughs> Okay, so whenever you say their actions, you call them ploving. They're yes. ploving. What right. what kind of actions are you referring to then? Well, the thing that they're constantly doing, right, is mm-hmm. um, for plovers, they're visual predators. Okay. So they're always doing this thing that's called run, stop, peck. Oh, yes. So yes. they look for tiny invertebrates in the dirt, and they're just kind of like, you know, step, 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 stop, peck, step, step, stop. Back. Yep. Step, step. Right. Yeah. I could do that for like another 20 minutes. And because that, that's literally all they that's do. All they yeah, do. I'm, yeah. I'm seeing it now um, in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you'll kind of see them like, um, especially if you're um, like, if you see them on a beach or something, mm-hmm. um, like if you're uh, watching them near an ocean then you'll see them kind of like run out with the tide and then come back in oh, and, yeah. you know, you'll see them just kind of like running right along the water's edge, just doing that all the time that, you know, do, 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 boop, you know, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's a, a Disney short. About that. Have yeah. you seen the Disney um, short? I yeah. can't remember what uh, it's called. Was it called, like, was it called Piper? I, yes, it was called yeah. Piper because they were sandpipers or something. Yes. And I remember yeah. Rachel being mad about it because I guess it wasn't very accurate, but it's really cute. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, these birds, they don't... Uh, yeah, I think she was saying they made it less accurate and they didn't need to because the shorebirds are already 
They're a very cute group of birds. Yes, they are. You know? Especially dorky. as a baby. Like, it's about a baby sandpiper. So, like, yeah. why would you need to change that? <laughs> no, you don't really. And, like, for especially for a lot of those in that group, they're very, um, they're like precocial chicks. So, um, explain that. You have your precocial and your altricial. And precocial, um, if you think of like the word precocious, mm-hmm. that means they act like adults really early on. Oh, okay. Right? So, they're born a, a lot more well developed. Gotcha. You know, they come out of a big egg and they're kind of, they're more. A little bit more ready to go. A little more ready to go. They have like, they're a little bit, they have some like downy fluff on them already. Okay. And um, they really, they're like up and walking out of the nest, like within a few minutes of being hatched. Oh, dang. Yeah. So That's they're like, they're impressive. like ready to go. If you think, if you compare that with altricial, like that comes from um, like the word like altruism. Altruism. Yeah. Right. Okay. So they need, they depend on help at yes. first. So um, like. Uh, like the purple martin chicks that we're mm. going to have out uh, hopefully in our nests here soon, yes. right? Um, those things are like, they're born featherless, just like... Uh, just and helpless. Like, t- yeah, don't yeah. have their eyes open, need to be, yeah, need help uh, and everything. With shorebirds, they have to be really precocial uh, because uh, it has well, it has a lot to do with the way they nest, mm-hmm. right? They don't have a lot of time to waste <laughs> um, <laughs> with like being a baby bird. They got to get up and get moving because their nests Um, are on the ground are they ground nesting mostly yeah okay yeah and it's not just that they're ground nesting Um, they tend to go for like sparsely vegetated areas oh open ground and they'll just kind of dig out a little scrape well that seems kind of dumb it does (laughs) why are they your favorite they're dorky and dumb it's not even like the good kind of dork (laughs) no i do i i love it though because they're very much against the odds it feels like when Mm -hmm. they're breeding um, they don't, yeah, they're just, they're out in the open. They dig these scrapes. You'll have, uh, you know, they'll lay these um, little eggs that are very, they're like all shorebird eggs tend to be um, like tan colored and speckled. So they blend in so really well. So it's like well. camouflage stuff. Yeah, okay. they, they're really hard to find, like, you know, um, and the birds themselves tend to be speckled and mm-hmm. brownish and, you know, kind of blend in well with the sand as well. So like if, okay. you're, if you're trying to spot a shorebird nest on the beach, um, they really, they're pretty good at hiding. It would be difficult honestly. for most predators to, to see that. Yeah. And I mean, certainly for like, even for like experienced, you know, like people who are like looking for them, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's surprising how hard it is to find these nests okay. sometimes. So why, why wouldn't they just take the extra little effort to just get in a little bit of vegetation? I just, uh, that, well, that's weird that. to me. <laughs> sometimes they do that, if, especially if they're nesting somewhere where uh, overheating is a concern. Because if you're uh, nesting okay. on like bare sand. That like can get that, really hot. Yeah, because if yeah. the eggs get too hot, then they, you know, they don't hatch. If the eggs get too cold, yeah. they don't hatch. So um, sometimes they'll find like a little shade, like, okay. you know, it's like a few grasses that are kind of like sticking out of the beach and build like their scrape near that or yeah. under that. But it tends to be fairly out in the open. Um, yes. And they have other ways to keep predators away. Mm-hmm. Um, like, have you probably, have you heard of like their broken wing displays? That they do. Yes, at least with killdeer. Are yeah, killdeer like not the only ones that do that? They're not the only ones that do that. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, Wilson's plovers, plovers, plovers do that as well, um, and and some other birds. Uh, but yeah, it's always this this whole thing of like dragging a wing on the ground and like you know they like squat down and act like they're really injured, and then um, you know they'll kind of keep, like keep like leading you on if you move towards them at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll also like get all... and that's to keep them away from the nest, right? The predator yeah, away that's from. Trying to lead a predator away kind of fake them out Jeez. um 
Instead of playing dead, they're just like, oh, I'm all broken. Let right. me hobble over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a pretty, that's a good strategy. That's good. I, I dig it. Sometimes for like other animals, they might just get all poofy and try and scare you off. Mm-hmm. You know, like run at you a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I'm they, imagining they, geese. Yeah, kind of like that, except I'm way smaller. <laughs> just like, way smaller yeah. and less frightening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're they'll yeah they're they'll talk a big game, I guess. Yeah. You know? And um, but yeah, they they just basically they rely on just keeping that nest as hidden as possible, mm-hmm. even though it's out in the open, hiding in plain sight, kind of. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I I I guess that's one way to do it. I mean, obviously, <laughs> it's working because they're still kill deer absolutely everywhere at least here in kansas yeah for sure because that's what i remember when i did a stream crew like you know we're walking along all these sandy bottom streams in kansas and stuff and there's just kill deer everywhere yeah like absolutely everywhere so we did get to see them like doing their running stopping right (laughs) shoving their face in the ground kind of thing (laughs) and uh just all day you just feel kill deer whatever it is like they're called just all day yeah And that's what people are like, man, I love Kildare. And I'm like, I just have flashbacks to just hearing them all day for like 10 hours a day. Like they're really cool birds, but that's just a bad association that I currently have. I guess over, yeah, anything for too long is going to get kind of. Yes, but they are cool. They're definitely doing well here in Kansas. Oh, for sure. We have some good habitats for them, which is nice. That's true. Yeah. I mean, we do actually have like a lot of. Um, pretty excellent shorebird habitat in general, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't think about in Kansas being. Yeah, you do not... think more like beach, ocean. Yeah, exactly. Kind of you thing. think of them being as like a coastal thing. Yeah. But, um, no, a lot of shorebirds migrate through here, mm-hmm. Provera and uh, Cheyenne Bottoms and those yeah. kinds of places. Yeah, they really do seem to love wetlands yeah, like a lot. Yeah, you get like these interior, what they call interior populations of shorebirds that kind of migrate through here. Some of them even nest here. Mm. Um, even further north in the Great Plains, you've got those uh, what they call the prairie potholes. I mm-hmm. call those little yeah. those little spotty lakes and stuff like in the Dakotas. Yeah, that that turns out to be a really excellent habitat either as a stopover or just a place for them to lay their eggs mm-hmm. um, when it comes to be breeding season. So we have uh, a great opportunity to see a lot of these birds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just here in the most landlocked possible. Right. State. No, just yeah. like right smack dab in the middle. <laughs> right. No, we have lots of water, lots of sand. <laughs> if they like sand, they can come here because basically all streams that we have here are sandy. Yes. <laughs> so very, yeah, it's true. kind of the perfect place for them. Okay. So right. I have a question for you. Okay. Do so. I know like shorebirds are your favorite group yes. of birds. Would yeah, that be accurate to say. Okay. Yeah. Um, any anything like any birds that have to do with water are really like okay, my favorite cool. kind of birds. Yeah. But shorebirds just have like a special place in your heart because they do. Yeah, because I've spent a lot of time. Dorks. Yeah, they're <laughs> tiny dorks, and I've spent like I've spent more time watching them. Um, probably than any other group of birds, just at, um, because I've had internships mm-hmm. that were shorebird focused. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, so I, like I've spent a few breeding seasons monitoring them pretty intensely. So what kind of places did you do that at? Um, so uh, North Carolina, like the Outer Banks, okay. uh, and then um, uh, up in Alaska as well. And th- that was like in the Juneau area. Okay, so, neat. Yeah. So since it was like during breeding migration type of season did you see a lot of the same species of birds or like different kinds of birds so yeah uh once yeah so you you well you'd see a lot of things kind of migrating through and then you'd have like uh like i said you'd have that broad kind of 
mixed uh, group of things nesting all together. So yeah. you'd have anything like oyster catchers and um, you'd have plovers, black skimmers, things like that. Um, <laughs> least terns, like they all just kind of nest together, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're all like within f- a few feet of each other. Weird. Yeah. And that's not seen as like a threat to any of them. Like it's not seen as competition for food or anything or not, like, not typically because, uh, you know, at, at the height of the summer, like resources are incredibly abundant. Okay, you know, typically gotcha. there's plenty of invertebrates. Um, the, the things like the terns and the skimmers, they're eating fish mostly. So there's not a lot of overlap necessarily mm-hmm. in their diets. And, uh, they kind of benefit from being in such close proximity to another. I imagine right? that's a lot better protection. It is. Yeah. You get kind of a strength in numbers thing yeah. happening. <laughs> if you've ever accidentally been like walking on a beach and not aware that you're near nesting shorebirds, mm-hmm. they will let you know very quickly. <laughs> they just start freaking out and calling? Oh, or? yeah. No, it's crazy. If you get close enough to like one least turn nest mm-hmm. to scare it up, it will just like start this chain reaction and you'll just have like this swarm of hundreds of least turns oh. and they will be, they'll swoop at you. Oh my gosh, they're that's really, terrifying. They're so like, they're really feisty. I can like feel them like graze the top of my oh. head before like, they get that close to you when they're diving and they'll, you know, they always do this like really shrill kind of like, eh, you know, when they oh dive and uh, they, you know, so they're like swooping, they're circling, they will uh, poop and vomit at you. Oh no. Yeah. So they'll, they'll like, no. they'll try to like, they'll try to like nail you with <laughs> whatever they got. So. Um, and it's, and it will literally be hundreds of birds above your head. So, um, you can think of like, if you're a tiny little, you know, shorebird over here and you have all these hundreds of other least turns around you, mm-hmm. like that's a, that's, that's a good benefit to you. If there's, you know, whatever's coming your way, oh if it's a coyote gosh. or a, just a dog off the leash or something, um, they'll kind of help you do the work there. That's terrifying. It is. That would be absolutely (laughs) terrifying and really gross. (laughs) Poop and vomit flying everywhere around you. Yeah, that's, you know, if you're going to do that kind of work, um, yeah, you just have to be prepared for that, I guess. You know. Did you wear a poncho? (laughs) I never did because, (laughs) you know, I mean, we were close enough to the water. It's just like, oh, you know, I got pooped on again. I'll just, you know, go, you know, wash the shirt off real quick. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know, it's... You're not going to wear, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't wear a poncho in the middle of summer. It's going to get kind of warm. But. Yeah, that's true. I guess I was thinking Alaska and like, nah. oh, it's cold there. But oh, yeah, that's that true. that makes sense. Yeah, you just have to be, you just have to accept it. It's like an occupational <laughs> just hazard. Just part of it. Yeah. But you'd see, you know, you'd see that with, with a lot of different um, species of shorebirds, seabirds, waterbirds. Um, like in Alaska, when I was looking at mostly Arctic terns, they would be nesting really close to glaucus, uh, glaucus wing goals are, and uh, just massive, massive birds, right? Like really, really big seabirds. And they would be nesting in the hundreds, almost thousands mm-hmm. alongside these glaciers up there. So, Jeez. but it was really awesome because if you'd have like a peregrine falcon mm-hmm. or a bald eagle, uh, like maybe it's like a juvenile bald eagle, just kind of like not aware of things, you know, not aware of what they're oh, doing okay. quite yet. Um, you'd see them kind of like soar over the colony and then you just see like this like this cloud of angry seagulls like come and start chasing it away and yeah it's awesome he doesn't make that mistake again uh, well yeah hopefully not that would be that would be really terrifying if you had a thousand seagulls come after you all at once because they're kind of mean they're mean and they're big yeah. yeah so so how big are we talking close to like turkey vulture size that's what i'm imagining yeah yeah, yeah so 
Oh, that's pretty. Oh, and it's a goal. Yeah. Like I just don't imagine goals to be that big. I don't know. Yeah, no, they get pretty huge. Yeah. <sighs> I don't. That's that's what's for me. Like until I started working here, like I was kind of terrified of birds. Yeah. And like I've gotten used to the ones that we work with here because they're not that big. Right. Yeah. And um, they're nice. Yeah. They're like they're half generally a pound. nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I say that. I've been attacked by one bird in particular. Uh, but they, they can't. They just, they're kind of unpredictable and they yeah. have pointy claws and They've got some sharp ends, yeah. Yeah, it just, I feel like we're going to go for my eyeballs. So imagine yeah. a seagull that's got like a six foot wingspan. I yeah. know it's already probably grumpy about something. No, they've got, they've got some pretty like heavy bills and yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, you don't want, you don't want to, yeah, be on the business end of no, that. No, thank you. Yeah. Mm-mm. Nope, 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 nope. Okay. So <laughs> yes. out of all the shorebirds then, do you have one that you would be able to pick out as your like most favorite um, as my most favorite, yeah, I would probably say, I would probably say a piping plover, um, okay. just because they are like the, <laughs> they're just like, um, they're one of probably the cutest animals on the planet. <laughs> they're, they're completely adorable. Um, they've got like this little like smudge on their forehead and, oh, uh, they're so tiny. Um, they're also endangered. So that was kind of like, okay. um, do we get them in um, Kansas? We can, yeah. There, okay. there are ones where like they they will nest on the coast, the mm-hmm. Atlantic coast, but they'll also nest in that kind of potholes region. So oh, they do cool. migrate through here. Um, it, you know, they nesting might be more rare here, mm-hmm. but they they definitely come through this area, um, and and they're endangered, yeah, because they they you know that's that's a thing with shorebirds. A trend you see with shorebirds and seabirds in general is. Um, you know, they're kind of in decline a little bit. Yeah. Uh, most of them, um, not all of them, but a lot, you know, most of the species because of they're losing a lot of that critical habitat, mm-hmm. right? A lot of that, um, a lot of that shoreline, a lot of that coastal habitat gets developed or it's heavily trafficked by people and yeah. attracts predators and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So um, they're kind of under stress. And so, and piping plovers are one of those that, that is, uh, yeah, that's, that's endangered right now. Well, dang, that kind of kind of sinks, and that's what you know. Obviously, <laughs> well, I love going to the beach too, but like thinking about like, oh yeah, there's birds and stuff that are supposed to be living and nesting there, like right. And you have like your dogs and your beverages and your frisbee and your volleyball nets and stuff taking up a lot of the shoreline, like right, yeah, yeah and that makes it hard. It, yeah, and I mean, yeah, you have to be you have to be careful. Uh, if you're going to a beach or even if you're just here by the lake or whatever in Kansas, you know, um, you know, they, you got to kind of keep an eye out for, um, you know, just be aware. Like if you see a bird acting really strangely near you, or if you see a bird acting aggressively towards you, Mm -hmm. um, just kind of give them some space because you're probably very close to a nest. Like you're, uh, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to step on a nest or much worse. You don't want to step on a chick or something like that. Yeah. Cause that would be a real bummer. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, you just want to, uh, want to, yeah, let them give them the best chance that we can, I guess. Yeah. Um, Cause we, anyone's gonna hopefully understand, like you want to protect your kids. You want to protect your babies. Like yeah, hopefully that's right. something that like people, people get, like obviously birds want to take care of their eggs. That's, that's their little babies. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here I wanted to show you. This is this yes. one a piping plover. Yes. I have seen those. Yeah, oh, they're, they're so <laughs> little. I love their like bright orange little baby bees. Yes. They're very, they're very cute. And there's the, there's one with a chick. Oh. 
Oh my god! I know it's very so sweet. We yeah. will definitely put some pictures on the show notes. We will, yes. So you can uh, enjoy that. That that's way too precious. <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh! They're they're a good yeah they're a good bird. That's 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 kind of the one that was um, like the priority species for when I was doing like my uh, my internship a long time gotcha. ago. So um, it was looking for that you know particular bird and if it was gonna nest then you'd like build this whole exclosure around it till you know because because it is like i said it's endangered so you want their them to be as successful as possible oh yeah we were going to talk about migration yeah let's talk about some migration because obviously migration's important for all of these birds most birds i guess but especially it seems like they're important for shorebirds well shorebirds tend to be um like unbelievably long distance migrators really for how tiny they are like i wouldn't think they would migrate that far no it's really surprising um they're and like they physically are really well adapted for long flights so um for example like they're like half fat basically uh when like by by weight they're like half half of their body like mass is all fat so they build up this massive fat store um that lets them do these really long non-stop flights okay um so their body can just like burn off the fat is that what you're basically saying? Like, yeah for so yeah it's really weird so what what they do um you know they they go into like hyperdrive with their eating before they migrate so they their food intake they goes through out. the roof they pig out they get <laughs> add all this fat and then they start um they actually will shift their internal organs around a little bit what yeah so it's kind of like have you ever been on a plane where they've had to like kind of redo how the cargo is and like how all the luggage is and they've had to like maybe move people to different seats to Mm -hmm. try and get just a nice balance yeah because you want it all to be like balanced along that center line right of the plane um for what's called like wing loading right Mm -hmm. you don't want it to be off off in any way yeah um, they do the same thing right you want to have that uh that good balance along the center line so they will um, actually shrink the size of their basically anything that's connected to their digestive tract what? so um, they just stop eating and it basically it atrophies temporarily what so they'll build up all this fat they'll stop eating for a little bit and so their intestines will shrink in size their liver their stomach it'll all shrink and kind of like get moved around a little bit and then they can take off for this really long flight can humans do that do ours atrophy <laughs> if um, we just like stop eating you know I, that's a okay so I'm you sorry know, that's just like mind-blowing to me i didn't know that was a thing you know i, I think if you if you if you were like yeah i think if you were like to stop eating for a while your stomach would shrink in size a little bit i mean okay yeah like your now stomach that it, your stomach like is that, that flexible to yeah. you know like but yeah i mean like we can kind of do similar things yeah that's true probably not but like it actually extent. moving or around uh, and yeah, liver no, shrinking I yeah and... i don't uh, that would probably not be good for us no yeah, i don't think we do that <laughs> and it still be healthy at least yeah i'm like trying to feel my internal organs i right know now. like just start no i think everything's good where it is right now i yeah yeah that's so strange <laughs> but yeah so they'll and they'll they'll do that so they can have this crazy non-stop flight like mm-hmm. um how many miles are we talking yeah uh, well it depends on the species yeah. but some of them will go tens of thousands of miles to get to where they're going like the longest the bird that has the longest non-stop migration is a kind of shorebird okay it's called a bar-tailed godwit godwit yeah they have great names uh <laughs> wimbrels godwits <laughs> 
you know, uh, uh, Avocets stilts. Oh, I they, have heard yeah. of Avocets. Yeah, okay. they've got they've got weird names. Um, I don't know if Americans named these. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know where these where these names come from. They all sound kind of like English. They do. See, that's know? what I was thinking, like yeah. British kind yeah. of thing. They're yeah. very yeah, kind of silly. Okay, names. so the the Godwit. Godwits. Yeah. So they <laughs> they bar-tailed Godwits. We will fly. There's a population of them that goes from uh, they go from Alaska to New Zealand. Oh my god! And they gosh. don't they don't stop. So they take off without stopping. Without stopping. So that is like um, a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it takes. I forget how long it takes. It's something like ten or eleven days. Oh uh, my god! And some, some, some will also do like um, they'll do like a protracted version of that, like fly for a, like two or three days straight, mm-hmm. and they're just burning through that body fat, and they're burning through so much fat as they fly because it's powered flight, right? They're constantly yeah. flapping, so they actually have to like start breaking down muscle tissue also. Ooh. So they'll like. Um, uh, they'll uh, they'll be like breaking down muscle tissues in order to um, not dehydrate, so they can, they can like have water yeah. basically. So they're like catabolizing muscles to oh not die of thirst while they're flying, and then they land wherever they're going, and then they they're you can imagine they're like not in great shape, but then they you know they take a rest and they start eating again and yeah. they're back to normal. So they're just like incredibly vulnerable whenever they're done with their migration then. It's a pretty intense process for them. Ooh. Like it's not like this leisurely multi-month journey no. of, you know, stopping over in a lot of places. They might have a few stopovers, but a lot of it is That's a 10-day marathon. Yeah, exactly. They're like. they're more like marathon runners. Yeah, it'd be uh. like uh, except to an extreme of like you running like 80 miles a day for three straight weeks, you know. Oh <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty wild. Um, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound fun. No. Like I get that they, well, <laughs> but it's efficient and they're, they're really well adapted for it. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. But I, just in my mind, I'm like, why wouldn't you just stop somewhere that's closer? <laughs> you know, that's a, I don't, yeah, that's a good question. Like why do it that way? Yeah. I have I'm no sure idea. it hopefully in some way reduces. Yeah competition and I think stress it, in the long run i think I that the kind of the knowing hypothesis is that yeah it does it it basically it by re, you know keeping the migration time as minimal as possible you're yeah you're giving yourself t- uh, time to devote to other things right yeah. so um you know you have uh and you have you know also if you're going non-stop you also have less opportunity of running into a predator along the way. Yeah, that's have, true. There's less probability of maybe running into a bad storm, you yeah. know, at some point. Because you're just going. Getting delayed in the journey, whatever. Yeah. Um, you're just kind of doing it all at once. Um, and also you're doing it at night, which helps. That You know, we don't oh, really see. Okay. Yeah, most shorebirds tend to go uh, overnight. They're nighttime migrants, uh, so you don't really see them migrating typically. Um, they're kind of flying overhead while everyone's asleep. So, uh, yeah. So... You might not know the answer to this question, but I'm just curious. So when birds like that are migrating, like how high up are they flying? They're at a pretty, they're at a pretty high altitude, not as high altitude as like, um, uh, uh, not airplane level, not airplane level. Okay. Um, although there are some species that get up above that, that, you know, they're typically between like 16 and 19,000 feet. Are you serious? Is how high they migrate. So that's pretty high. Um, you know, that's like what airlines tend to cruise at something like 30,000 feet. So they're not, they're not at plane height, Okay, but they're up there. Um, so yeah. And still, I mean, planes have to 
go up through there. And right. They're usually in that kind of area for a little bit while they're still climbing. Yeah. So that's why I wasn't sure if like no, that well, was a, sure. a risk for you know, um, birds too. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, it probably is to an extent, but I mean, that seems like it's it's probably kind of rare for most airplanes to probably come into contact with that's what I, can't I mean it depends though. just during you migration know. sometimes there's like hundreds and thousands of birds yeah that's what i'm like no well for sure because like um i mean even you know for, for depends on the airplane but yeah birds can be a problem like yeah. there was that like what was it sully uh the was it like a goose that took that plane down and was had to it land really on the hudson or something I mean, I know what you're yeah, talking about, but I, think I didn't that, know I think it was that, a bird. I think that was caused by geese is oh, what, what happened there. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then, like, you know, well, that makes on sense. those little... Geese especially are huge, and if you get those in, like, your turbine... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Like, if a full-speed goose oh. runs into an engine, yeah, it's probably not good for it. No. Um, <laughs> but also, like, um, on those, like, little prop planes that mm-hmm. um, they use to go from island to island in Alaska, yeah. those are those go at a much lower altitude. Oh, um, yeah. And so we'd kind of always... The, the pilot would be like, let me know if you see an eagle... Because you don't want an eagle to like slam into the window of the plane no, while you're flying. That would you know? straight up break it. That would not be good. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, uh, it, birds can cause issues for aircraft, but typically, I would say typically not. I was more thinking yeah. aircraft causing issues for birds, but yeah. Well, it goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just not birds. Like they're the doing the thing they've been doing forever and right. ever you know, before airplanes are around. So. Yeah, that's true. You know. But no, um, yeah, so they, they fly pretty high. Um, you can also imagine like, how well adapted their lungs have to be uh, in order because that's... And especially at that altitude. It's thinner air, yeah. Yeah. So the the partial pressure of oxygen is lower, so they Mm -hmm. have to have these lungs that are way, way better suited for high altitude than ours would be, right? We'd be struggling for breath at those kinds of altitudes. Um, It's really hard to explain, I guess, how birds breathe because it's not Yeah, you need like like a visual... Yeah, it's not the way we do it at all. (laughs) It's not in and out. It's like... Around and around, kind yeah. of a circular thing. But. I had Rachel explain it to me, or I watched one of her presentations or something, and she had like videos and pictures, yeah. and I still was kind of confused afterwards. It's, it's something weird, I would have yeah. to stare at for a while. I know. I honestly, yeah, it's it's tough to explain. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you have a question? Before we go, yes. Are there any fun facts or like weird little bits of knowledge Ooh. about shorebirds that you just okay. really want the world to know? I can give you some of these. Yes. Okay. So let's see. We okay. We talked about that. Uh, uh, that Bartel Godwit. Yep. Okay. So good old Godwit. If you were to convert, uh, like the amount of fat that it takes to power that flight. Yeah. If you were to convert that into like an equal volume of gasoline, uh-huh. um, they would be getting seven hundred thousand miles to the gallon. What? How did they <laughs> yeah. even find that out? That's impressive. <laughs> so that's like if you because they're not big, right? It's no. like it's not a huge it's not like a huge amount of fat that powers that journey. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of weird. Seven thousand miles. Seven hundred thousand. To... Seven hundred thousand. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> Seven hundred thousand miles to the gallon. Yeah, that would be that would be how efficient they are. Holy moly! Yeah, it's weird. And they're uh, going from what you said, Alaska to New Zealand. Yes, that that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is so impressive. We talked a little bit about Arctic terns. Yeah. Which are you know they're not they're not really a shorebird they're more of a seabird but you know again they're, they tend to associate a little bit so they are uh, really unique because they're a transpolar migrant so they okay. spend summer up here at the North Pole oh. and then they spend another summer at the South Pole so they get two summers per year 
they go oh, one to the other. Oh, that's smart. It's, it's yeah. That's I a mean, lot of travel. Though. It is. And they have like a, so it's like they fly something like 70,000 miles every year, <laughs> um, oh, which is insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they don't like, they don't really do it all. Um, like they kind of have this like weaving and wandering journey because they're always trying to find like the most ideal wind so it's currents. Not a straight shot because not they are following shot in that the case. wind. Yeah. Okay. So, so they're saving energy at yeah, least so by they, finding the wind. Right. And they, they end up flying even farther because of that, but it's <laughs> it's better for like yeah, from an energetic kind of standpoint. Anything else about the piping plover? We could play what they sound like, but ah! we Yeah, we'll see, see how they, it sounds. See how it sounds. It does kind of sound like a car alarm. Yeah. It's a, you see, yeah, you get these little, like, uh, peeping kind of calls with a lot of these. Um. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And it's a, you know, what's, what's kind of funny is, like, okay, because a lot of these shorebirds in this, um, you know, a lot of sandpipers and other things look so similar. Uh-huh. Um, if you're doing like kind of an informal survey for them, if you don't, um, if you don't really know like what specific characteristics to look for to identify them, they look a lot of them look the a same. A lot of them do look very um, similar. Some of them are really distinct. Okay, like uh, like a black neck stilt or mm-hmm. an avocet. You're not going to confuse those with anything else, no. right? Um, partially because an avocet has a bill that's pointing the wrong direction. Oh my gosh, right? yeah, the, their whoop. their bill is weird looking. It's very weird. Yeah. So, um, but like uh, with like a lot of a lot of the other sandpipers, um, it's it's going to be. It's, it's weird. And so the kind of like the quick term that they'll give for it, uh, for all these birds is peeps. Yeah. So like peepers. Yeah. So like, if you see like a group, especially if it's like a group of mixed species, um, and you know, they're, you're like not close enough to really get a good look at them. Uh You'll just say like, okay, we're going to call that X number of peeps because you can't, you can't really (laughs) get, you you can't really get more specific than that. But you know, they're peeping. So they're, they're, they are peeping. I mean, that might get you to like a a family maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all the same. Yeah. They're all the same family, but you can really get it more specific, you know, um, except in some cases, Mm -hmm. like if they have like a really distinct behavior they're doing or something, or if you get really close and you can really get a good look at them. Yeah. So yeah. Man, that's cool. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for talking about shorebirds. Sure. Yeah. So check out our show notes at gpnc.org slash that's dash. I don't think dash is the right one, um, but it looks like a dash to me. So gpnc.org slash that's dash my dash favorite. Thanks to our producers, the Great Plains Sanctuary Center. And, you know, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. We will be back in a couple of weeks with some more favorites because, of course, everything is our favorite. Bye. Bye.